It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, but we are going to have a dose of Guy Benson coming up in about a half an hour. So that's going to be fantastic. Guy Benson on the Guy Benson Show, and we'll be here for the um, the remainder of today, uh, filling in for Guy. Guy Benson offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective. Guy blends major newsmaker guests, including a steady stream of Fox News all-stars, along with passionate and informed monologues. The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Well, we have to begin, and Guy is going to comment on this after the bottom of the hour break. We have to comment on Jussie Smollett. And what I thought was kind of ironic in the whole thing was even Jussie Smollett kept everyone waiting for the reading of the verdict. I mean, it should have happened during the five o'clock hour. It didn't. It should have happened during the Guy Benson happy hour. Uh, but Jussie Smollett was even late, it appears, for the reading of his own verdict. I don't think many people in the Guy Benson universe, because I know how incredibly in tune you are. I call you the 99.9 infinity crowd in terms of product knowledge and keeping up with current events and what's really happening in our country. And there's a lot. There is a lot going on these days. It's it's really we're seeing things I, I believe that most people never thought could even possibly happen. So the, the, the Jussie Smollett, and remember, the judge from the beginning would not allow cameras, so it was like this mystery trial. And if you notice, because if you compare it to Kyle Rittenhouse, that was 24-7 nonstop because America could see justice transparently. This was having runners tell you that he's found, been found guilty of five or six charges, and we'll get into all that. But he was even late for his own verdict reading, which I, 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 in real time, I thought that was just ironic and kind of delicious all at the same time. And I also knew, you figure out nine hours worth of deliberations over two days, that it was going to be a guilty verdict. And we'll, we'll share in a moment which charges were sustained, and he was found not guilty of one of the counts. So five out of six. But during the um, the trial itself, you, you really had a hard time keeping up with what was going on because it was all done outside the view of the cameras. And I, I over the years, have gone back and forth because do these show trials go differently because they're on TV? And when they're not on TV, do we complain because then they're not on? And you think about these celebrated ones, little Mickey from the Little Rascals, it all, if you think about it, the demarcation line really is the OJ trial. That changed everything forever. When you look in history at different mile markers of things that change things forever, it's one of them. Think about that. Dream Team, Johnny Cochran, F. Lee Bailey, uh, Robert Kardashian, 
Shapiro. I mean, it was incredible. Incredible. And and, and by the way, uh, we've interviewed both of them uh, over the years. Marsha Clark and Tony Darwin know they were talented. They were not bums. But that dream team just smoked them. That might be the poster child for jury nullification if you ever want to think of that. And I believe that's what, if you followed to the extent that you could, what was going on in Jussie Smollett, they were going for jury nullification. Just maybe one juror would hold out and you could get a hung jury that they they knew they didn't they didn't really put on a defense that would lead to an acquittal. They actually put on a defense, in my estimation. We'll see what Guy has to say, bottom of the hour segment. But I, I think they put on a defense to get one juror to nullify what was so apparent. And then, of course, there's so many layers to this. So let's tell you, you, you know by now, but let's just do a quick refresher on this. Jesse Smollett, who's 39 years old, was found guilty on five counts of disorderly conduct, one count for each separate time that he was charged with lying to the police in the days immediately after the alleged attack. He was acquitted on the sixth count. And I can't tell you why, because we don't know why. We'll hear at some point. But that, I do know what the count was. They, they had a sixth charge that he lied to a detective in mid-February, weeks after Smollett said he was attacked. I believe he still says he was attacked, uh, but now a jury has found him guilty of making that up. And I, I've always been troubled by that because when you make up that you're the victim of a hate crime and you bring in some of the big triggers out there, you bring in my former boss, President Trump, into this, and then you have Trump derangement syndrome happening now. So it just happens that he's he's mugged uh, with with two guys wearing MAGA hats. So every trigger you can imagine that that he was the victim of an anti-gay racist attack on himself. Mm. And then, of course, the charges are that then he lied to the Chicago police about it. You don't hear this mentioned much very often in the recent past that actually the prosecutor threw out all the charges. And, of course, they, that was an outrage. And then a special prosecutor was brought into it, and the, uh, the charges were brought back, and the indictment was sustained and handed up. And Smollett went all the way. I'm sure there was probably time uh, during the process to, um, to work out some kind of deal of sorts. Uh, he went all the way, and he rolled the dice, and he went down. Now, you will see outlandish things. I, I've seen reports that he could get as much as 20 years. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, if the judge says, and remember, we didn't get to see this, but if what we've been hearing and the reporting has been solid, and I know that Matt Finn has done some really good work. He's, he's very familiar with Chicago, and he's done some great work uh, for the Fox News Channel all during this case. So I trust his reporting. If the judge upon sentencing, because remember, when the jury finds you guilty, I've heard people saying, he's convicted. You're, it, this is a distinction with a difference. You are not convicted. He is not convicted. 
what did you say? He, the jury found him guilty. They did. You're not convicted until the judge sentences you. Now, if it was just these five counts and the guilty verdict for each, he would face up to three years in prison. I would even contend on the Guy Benson show that he could easily have gotten probation. But I believe that whole show that he put on taking the stand, and if it's determined by the judge that he committed perjury during that testimony or in some other ways aggravated the case, who knows what the judge will do. So don't say, hey, on the Guy Benson show, they said definitively that Smollett could get 20 years. I have seen those reports. I don't believe those reports. From what I gather, when you go into the law and you look at the counts, and you have to remember, it's not just what the high end could give you. Usually, you you know, there's sort of a range. Judges have a range. They used to have much more discretion. Now there's the, the minimum mandatory type sentencing guidelines, and so they only have so much discretion. I think he's looking at three years or less. And that is possible, but I think there's enough sort of aggravating circumstances that probation and community service, which I think could have been an option. I think if he cut a deal, remember too, part of the um, the process is how much aggravation did you cause the system? How much expense did you cost the taxpayers by virtue of going the full the full situation here all the way through a full-blown trial so i i see him being sentenced to some time doesn't have to necessarily be three years it could be up to three years and again in the back of my mind i'm saying you know it could be because the judge has the discretion to give him no jail time probation and community service but I think he's going to get some time on this. And I and I, I don't ever wish anyone ill. I just don't believe in that. I believe in karma. And I, and I think that when you get into the business of wanting people to go down and all these things that people do now, it's a very vicious time. It will be written about. It's a very vicious time in American history. It's a gotcha time. Uh, it's a drop-the-hammer moment time. And in Smollett's case, though, when you factor in everything, and I also, even though it's not a charge, as a layperson, I'm not a lawyer, but I think it I think it should have been a charge. When you make up, now remember, when, when you're being prosecuted, they say you did all these things. If you take a judge, a trial by judge or a trial by jury, maybe the judge or a jury will see it differently and acquit you. But prosecutors present charges because they believe, number one, you're guilty of them. And that they can prove it in a court of law. How wasn't there a charge of, do you think somewhere in the country somebody got their face bashed in in some retribution moment? Because remember, and we'll get to it later today on the Guy Benson Show, remember all the defenders, the prominent Democrats, the prominent Democrat media members. I mean... You, you hear the, the term, oh, that didn't age well. Some of these comments are unbelievable now that you can see everything 
in the rearview mirror and disposition is is at hand and facts have been established and a verdict has been reached. And some of these comments that you will hear later on Guy's program, oh, they did not hold up well. They did not hold up well at all. But where was the charge on inciting what had to be? Remember the moment in time. Cities were on fire. We were in the um, age of Chaz and Chop. People used to have to pay some kind of rent to get through the barricades that were being set up to get through their own homes or their own businesses. I mean, it was a wild west, medieval almost time. You could leave in the morning, everything's fine. You could come home and your house is on fire, your storefront's on fire, all kinds of things were going on. Doesn't someone who fakes an anti-gay racist attack on himself and then lies about it? to the Chicago Police Department, to the to the to America. I mean, the American people were taking this in and prominent people were taking a stand. The usual suspects that don't wait for the facts to unfold. I remember from the beginning, I can't explain why, but I was suspect about this. I said, you know, if this is true, it's terrible. It's everything you don't want to see in America. And it is a hate crime. I said, but you know what? There's no harm in just let's let this unfold a little bit. When he has to meet with detectives and has to answer questions, you see, they're very good. Um, I'm the identical twin brother of a career retired police officer, and he was an outstanding detective. And they are fantastic. And you think you're getting asked the same question 100 times, but there's always a nuance and the question's slightly different, and then, then it's asked this way. Then they come from this angle and that angle. And maybe sometime one person leaves the room and another person comes in. And then, and then it's a different type of vibe. You, you have to look at this and say that if this happened, of course, it would be terrible. And it would, it would be a, a vicious hate crime of multiple fronts. But his story collapsed. It collapsed so quickly. All right, we need to take a quick time out. We're going to be back in just a little bit. Thank you for spending this portion of your day right here with The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan, it's Harry Hurley filling in today for Guy Benson, who we will be hearing from in about 15 minutes. Guy Benson on The Guy Benson Show. This is, of course, The Guy Benson Show. What I wanted to share with you, as I said right before the break, that some of these things that were said in the past didn't age very well. And you wonder how how they all reconcile. And in some cases, they didn't even address. I mean, imagine MSNBC, to my knowledge, not a single primetime host mentioned the Jussie Smollett verdict that happened in the six o'clock hour. 
that the whole country was keeping a watchful eye on. They didn't mention it. That that should be the equivalent of journalistic media malpractice. It is awful. And I think the reason that they had nothing to say is because they said things that did not stand up to the test of time and to the facts that were presented and the facts that were proven. We'll give you an idea of how things either age well or don't age well. This is sort of a mini greatest hits of liberal media people uh, pulling, pushing for Jussie Smollett. Dan, cut one. This is a Jackie Robinson against homophobia in the black community, an icon, a beloved icon. And now you have the fall of an icon. MAGA supporters have painted themselves as that. I mean, when you look at footage, when you hear things they say, these are this is the honest to goodness truth, and we have to be bold enough to call but that why? out. But in the court of public opinion, it, it matters. It, it matters, and he lost yeah. that because of how, and not his fault, maybe people were... I don't know what they were saying to him, how maybe because of his representatives. I, who, who knows? Wow. See what they're doing. Their comments were so bad in the past, all during. And then what are they going to say after it goes the way that it goes? But I, I do believe we should all take a good look and say, wow, the jury system has been under a microscope. And the jurors have gotten it right each and every time. Rittenhouse, not guilty. The father, the son, and their their friend, their neighbor, guilty. Jussie Smollett, guilty. It's interesting how even under the microscope, how the greatest legal system in the history of the world, I think it shows very, very well with the late the the, the three latest examples. To be to be fair, let's hear from Jussie Smollett's defense attorney, Nenye Ushe. Cut to. Regardless of what people are saying out there, people who are not lawyers, people who are not in court, people commenting and giving the ideas from 30,000, uh, uh, you know, above sea level when they're not in court. At the end of the day, uh, we believe justice will prevail. We don't believe it was done today, but we're very confident that uh, he will be cleared and he will be found to be innocent. Nenye Ushe, the defense attorney for Jussie Smollett, who believes that Jussie Smollett will be found not guilty on appeal. I don't know because we haven't been privy to the entire case, but it certainly doesn't seem that there's much there that you would be hopeful to win on appeal. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Very, very pleased to report. It's, it's, it's a delight to fill in for Guy, but such a nice opportunity to visit with Guy. Guy Benson on The Guy Benson Show next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Talking about the issues you care about, Guy Benson. 
partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. This is Harry Hurley filling in just for today for The Great Guy Benson. This is a very special moment of The Guy Benson Show because on The Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is the host of The Guy Benson Show, Guy Benson, the Fox News contributor, political editor at townhall.com, and of course, the host of The Guy Benson Show. Well, Guy, to get to introduce the host, you don't get to do that every day. Welcome to your show. <laughs> it's great to be on. I hear great things about this show, actually. Uh, you uh, should. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Harry, for filling in. It means a lot. Uh, but it's also cool to drop by here and give a few thoughts because, man, it's been a pretty exciting and event-filled, what, 12, 18 hours. Without a doubt. And before we get right to the Smollett verdict, let me get your take on a comment I just made before the break, and that is that on display for the American people is to see that the jury system, which a lot of people were wondering, if you're hearing people yelling and screaming outside while you're deliberating, are you going to make some kind of different, are you going to nullify, are you going to do the right thing, what's going to happen? We have three celebrated cases that I believe the juries got all three exactly right. Guy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's precisely correct, and I tweeted something to that effect last night because I was actually lying in bed thinking about it, all the way back, actually, to the Derek Chauvin trial in the murder Mm -hmm. of George Floyd. I think that the jury got that right. I think he was guilty of murder. They got it right with all of the pressure and controversy surrounding not just the trial, but that entire saga, right, and that whole ordeal. Then more recently, I assume you're referring to the Rittenhouse verdict, The Ahmad Arbery murder verdict, Mm -hmm. and now this one with Jesse Smollett. And I would say in all four of those cases, amid clamor and excitement and anger and threats and a lot of BS, the juries got them all right. And I think that's really cause for hope in our system, right? We are told by some people all the time that our system is irreparably broken and racist. And I think that's wrong. I think the system is imperfect. It is flawed. It always will be. There is no perfect system. I think we can strive to get better. But I wouldn't trade our criminal justice system for probably any other system in the world. And when it when it comes down to high-profile cases with glaring hot spotlights, there are a lot of cross-pressures at play. And to see the juries in very different places— Right. Places like, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Chicago, Illinois, you know, smaller town, Wisconsin. These are all, I guess, in relatively close proximity. Then, of course, down in Georgia as well. But these are different types of cases, different types of juries, different types of uh, jurisdictions. And with all of the pressure mounting and all the attention bearing down on them, these juries, in my view, nailed it, right? They they convicted Derek Chauvin, they convicted Arbery's murderers, they acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse, and they convicted Jussie Smollett. And to me, that is a delivery over and over again of justice. And I think it cuts against and pushes back against the proposition that our system is so fatally flawed that we need to blow it up. I think this helps prove just the opposite. Could not agree more. Spot on analysis from Guy Benson on The Guy Benson Show. So as you know, the jury found uh, 39-year-old Jussie Smollett guilty on five of the six counts. They did not find him 
guilty. They acquitted him on the sixth count of lying to the detective back in mid-February. That was weeks after Smollett said he was attacked, and of course he was not. Uh, So what are your thoughts? Obviously, we agreed the jury got it right. Uh, Do you believe, and I know this one was not as visible as the other trials, the judge decided no cameras. So this one was kind of under the radar screen. People, it's almost like old school. People had to wait like Matt Finn relaying it to Fox mm-hmm. News Channel, Guy Benson. This should have happened during your show. But oh, quick comment on this one, Guy. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it Smollett almost did. Was, he was, he was, it should have been on your show. Jussie Smollett was late to his own verdict decision. Yeah. He was supposed to be there within 30 minutes. Yes. Uh, I guess it took him an hour. Uh, look, justice was served. This is a case that I've been following literally since – the very first day that it broke, I saw his allegations. You remember they made national news and oh, yeah. every politician was weighing in. And some of those tweets are pretty brutal in retrospect to look at them. Kamala Harris in particular comes to mind, but there were others. And from the get go, I thought, well, if this happened, it's terrible and indefensible. But there are things about this story that I find extremely curious and strange. So I kept my mouth shut because I said I don't want to immediately declare this fake or a hoax, but I I had my suspicions. And as the investigation unfolded, we covered it a lot. We had Matt Finn on this show a lot and he I mean he was as well sourced on this as anyone in the country yeah. when it comes to journalism. He did just a fabulous job covering the story. And as more of the investigation started to come to light elements of it, sources, what the police were saying, it became very clear to me that my initial suspicions were correct. And to see the case dismissed basically against him, the way that it was initially by the state prosecutor, Kim Fox, a Democrat who's got some ethical issues, um, that was infuriating. Because to me, faking a hate crime is absolutely egregious. It may not be exactly tantamount to committing a hate crime, but in some ways, it is just as ugly because you're trying to feed into that type of fear. You're trying to stir up those kind of uh, bigotries and emotions and that sort of thing. And he did this for some of the most selfish reasons that you can imagine. And for him to basically get off with, you know, writing a small check and maybe some, I don't know, community service and kind of a, a blank slate was outrageous without really his guilt ever being established. And so when the special prosecutor came in and looked at this sweetheart deal that he got and and threw it out because there were major correct questions about it, and they said, no, we are going to bring this to trial, there is going to be an opportunity for the people of Chicago to see the facts and for some justice to be dished out here. Uh, I was glad that that development occurred. Following the trial, I mean, I wish there were cameras in the courtroom because there was a strong element of, of entertainment here because he was such a moron about all of this stuff. And uh, he took the stand in his own defense and the, the whole thing seemed like a disaster. And my concern, and I articulated it on the show yesterday, my concern is all you have to do is get one juror who's either very gullible or someone who's super woke and says, you know, I think he's probably guilty, but I don't like the police. So I'm going to make a statement jury nullification or whatever you're going to want to call it. And it just takes one for a mistrial. And I was just very relieved that when we got the word yesterday, there's a verdict in, I said, okay, if there's a verdict in at this point, they're not a hung jury. My guess is he's going to be guilty of at least something. And, of course, last evening, that's what we found. And 
he absolutely whatever I don't know what the sentencing sentencing is going to look like, Harry, and and he might not get a ton of time, if any. But he is now a convicted felon. He deserves to be. What he did was an absolute disgrace to our criminal justice system. It was a huge disservice to the city of Chicago, which wasted a huge amount of manpower and man hours investigating a hoax when that that degree of you know attention those resources could have absolutely gone elsewhere in a city that has a crime problem and just the way that he tried to leverage his sexuality his skin color uh you know smear people who disagree with him he really tried to check a lot of boxes here to get attention and grow his profile and his paycheck uh, he did it in in a shockingly and enter- and sort of amusingly incompetent way and if you're not going to get nailed to the wall for doing that, that was my biggest worry. If he gets off, we are sort of sending a message to people that the narrative and identity politics matters more than facts, guilt, or any of it. And a jury of 12 in Chicago said, no, this is not acceptable. Guilty, 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 guilty on five of the charges. He's a convicted felon now. And whatever comes next for him, uh, it'll probably not be enough in my book, but at least we got, I would say, a real modicum of justice here. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful to that jury. I'm grateful to everyone who made decisions that led us to the point that we actually got some justice as opposed to the travesty that at least temporarily played out in this case. Guy, he faces, I think, when you look not at what he could get, but what he probably would get, he faces up to three years, it seems to me, and I agree it should be more. He could also be sentenced to probation and community service, but I think that ship has sailed. I think his conduct, I think we're going to definitely hear a judge really hammer him right well, through possible. His, his conduct. And here's, as, and here's the yeah, thing, Harry, about it, and I don't know what the judge is going to do. I don't know what the judge's reputation is. I yeah. would like to see him spend some time in prison based on what he did. And the thing is that, again, he was not convicted of this because the charges were what they were. But if you think about what he just did, the jury correctly concluded that he is guilty and that he did the things that the evidence showed that he did, including the very persuasive testimony of the brothers that he hired to beat him up, but not too hard. Yeah. And, and the, you know, that whole you know, ridiculous situation. He took the stand and perjured himself. He took the stand and lied through his teeth, saying that none of it happened, and it's all a lie, and it's a big conspiracy theory, and the brothers are the ones who are lying. So in his own defense, based on the verdict, based on the evidence, he, he, he could have just sat there quietly and not taken the stand. He chose to take the stand. He lied under oath. I think there's no question about that. And I think that's, a, that's an aggravating factor in my book yep. about what kind of sentence he deserves. I agree. And I, th- I think they didn't put on a defense. They tried to get one juror to right. nullify the, the, deci- the decision. Let's try to squeeze in two more issues, Guy, in the uh, four minutes that we have. Inflation, 39-year high. Mm-hmm. Take it away. Well, the last time inflation was this bad, I was negative three years old. Right, It has been a long time since it was this bad. I was actually reading a New York Times analysis from David Leonhardt, 
who's very influential writer uh, at the Times. And he, to his credit, wrote a piece basically saying, I know that the Democrats are out there making this big song and dance performance about the economy actually being great. And, you know, Ron Klain at the White House is every day trying to spin people, and they're, they're bringing in journalists to say, you've got you to cover this better. It, things aren't this bad. Things are actually good. And the, the public just has a, you know, a misconception of what's really going on. And you've had some lefty hacks out there being like, you know, why is the media so negative about this economy? And what David Leonhardt wrote, and it came out this morning, I believe, was it's very straightforward. The American people believe that the economy is lousy because the economy is lousy. And he explained the various reasons why. And one of his sentences, or even a sentence fragment in his opening paragraphs, was inflation is at 30-year highs. And within a few hours, it became nearly 40-year yep. highs, right? Yep. You add another decade almost on in terms yeah. of how far you have to go back for it to be this bad. And when you break it down, you know, gasoline, food, stuff that people have to spend money on every single day, every single week, it is obviously demonstrably much more expensive. So whatever wage gains that they've, uh, that they've earned recently are being totally wiped out, and then some by this inflation, and it's extremely painful. And the White House and others, they've been saying transitory now for months and months. Uh, I know Chuck Schumer's out there saying, well, this proves that we have to pass Build Back Better, which is going to cost $3 trillion over the next decade, as CBO announced today. If you take out all the budget gimmicks from the Democrats, when you just score what the Democrats say they want to be the case for the next decade, it would not add $0, as they say to the deficits. It would add $3 trillion on top of all the red ink that we already have. Schumer looks at all of this and the rapid inflation and says, well, what we need to do is spend trillions more. It's it's absolutely insane. I think the American people recognize that it is insane, and that is the reason why in the new NBC poll today, Republicans have a 10-point lead on the 2022 ballot because all the spin in the world cannot change what people are feeling and seeing and experiencing every single day, and the Democrats are in charge, right? The Democrats ran on normalcy. Joe Biden said, elect me, we'll get back to normal, and it doesn't feel normal because it's not normal. Guy, final minute. Guy, Democrats guy. control all of Washington, D.C. They can point yep. the finger at Republicans. They can blame you know, Trump or whatever. They're in charge. The American people know that. And I think and I hope there's a reckoning coming in November. All right, I've seen you in the final minute. I've seen you put chips up in Brett Baer's casino. I'm going to ask you to put a few Guy Benson show chips up in terms of Christmas Eve, which majority leader by uh, tiebreaker, that's what I call him, majority leader by tiebreaker, Chuck Schumer, would love that vote by Christmas Eve. I believe Joe Manchin will want nothing to do with this new report of the CBO. What do you say? I would go almost all in on the idea that they're not going to pass Build Back Better by Christmas. And I saw a report just a few moments ago that Manchin is reportedly stunned by the CBO numbers that I just referred to a moment ago. And uh, he's been talking about inflation. He's been talking about budget gimmicks in this context now for months. Here's some hard numbers from the CBO that backs him up. I think he wants to not just tap the brakes, but slam them at least for a while. I'd be shocked if they get it done by Christmas. Guy, treat to have you on your own show, the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Thank you, sir. It is awesome to be here, and thanks for holding down the fort, Harry. Thank you, sir. Guy will be back soon, don't you worry. And we'll be back right after this, because this is 
The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. With Christine White and Dan, Harry Hurley filling in for Guy, who will be back on Monday. Closing out this hour, I absolutely agree, and I would go in all chips, as Guy Benson did, on that this will not pass by Christmas. I don't think it will pass before the end of the year, and I believe if it does not pass by Christmas Eve, it will never pass. Because coming back in the new year, the Democrats know they're defending 70 incredibly vulnerable Democrats in the House. You have Mark Kelly now very vulnerable for his voting record in Arizona. I, if it's Herschel Walker or any other strong Republican nominee, whoever the Republicans pick in Georgia, and I think there's a good chance it will be Herschel, uh, is the backing of President Trump and many others. That could swing very easily. I could see a 52-48 Senate. And I easily see, I mean, if you do nothing wrong, you lose 28 seats in the midterm election, the president's party. They're going to lose possibly as many as Obama-Biden lost, 60 at the Obama first midterm election. So I agree with Guy Benson. I don't think this is going to pass. I don't believe, and and look, this is why they never wanted to score it to begin with. They wanted to just be able to tell, yeah, it's just a little over a trillion, don't worry. Meanwhile, none of it's ever going to sunset. You've got to score it in, in real terms, that these programs are going to continue, that the spending will continue. They wanted to pass it on a lie, and then they knew they're going to lose the majorities, and then they'll blame Republicans for ending these incredible programs that you now count on because they gave them to you for a year or a year and a half. It's insidious, and it's cruel, and it's wrong, and I don't think it's going to happen. When we come back, Dave Bernhard, former Secretary of the Interior, uh, very, very serious man, very experienced man. We'll get his take. You heard guys. We'll get Dave Bernhardt's, Secretary Bernhardt's take on inflation. You're looking at something the likes of which we haven't seen since 1982. Ronald Reagan just getting started, just getting the country back on track for record growth. We'll be back in just a little bit. A lot of great content straight ahead. Thanks for spending this portion of your day here with us. On The Guy Benson Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. It's Harry Hurley filling in just for today. Guy will be back on Monday. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. On the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline is a distinguished American uh, who has honorably served our country in a very material way. David Bernhardt, former United States Secretary of the Department of the Interior and also the chair 
of the Center for American Freedom at uh, AFPI, Americans for Prosperity, uh, is here. And with the news, uh, and I don't think it's any shocker to anyone being intellectually dishonest. I mean, we hear them say, oh, my God, why don't the American people see how great how great things are going? Uh, There is such a disconnect to reality. And I think today's uh, CPI, when we're talking, what, 39 year high at 6.8 percent. First of all, David, welcome to The Guy Benson Show, Mr. Secretary. And uh, what do you have to say about this? It's terrible, terrible news. Well, first off, thanks for having me. Um, You're absolutely right. I mean, when you look at an inflation uh, at uh, 6.8%, and you just said 39 years. Now, think about that. Um, The IBM PC first came out, uh, I believe, in 1981. So that's that's basically the last time um, the government uh, in the United States and the American people were confronted by such an outrageous situation. And, and let me and, and you, secretary, let me see if you buy into this because I don't believe in coincidences. I really believe that President Biden is Jimmy Carter 2.0. That that 1982 give President Reagan, one of my political idols, uh a break because he was fixing the mess that he inherited and of course we had record uh peacetime expansion in the history of the republic, record job creation and so on and so forth, economic prosperity uh to boot. And it was a wonderful time of, of great expansion and great peace and prosperity. But he had inherited a depleted military. He inherited a financial mess, terms we never knew before, malaise, misery index. I mean, there were terms created because Jimmy Carter was such a terrible president. I think it's Joe Biden and Jimmy Carter. That, close your eyes. What's the difference? Well, I, I do think that's that's a fair comparison, but I think it you need to take it one step further. You know, much of this is self-inflicted. I mean, uh, the, this uh, president um, was handed um, a situation uh, where a vaccine was um, in, you know, re- was good to go. Therapeutics existed. Um, and what does he do? Day one decides, hey, let's make energy um, development. Um, more and more difficult on day one. And, you know, they, they had an, an intentional vision that things should be more expensive. And today we're dealing with a situation where gross pay is actually up but declining when you factor in inflation uh, back into it. And this is a self-inflicted act upon the American people. Um, this didn't just happen. And that is what's the most frustrating about it. I've never seen an American policy be that I want to develop um, energy uh, internationally, but I don't want the Americans uh, to develop uh, their energy. And this is um, time and time again, we're watching this administration take acts that actually harm the American people. And, you know, I think the one thing you could say about President Carter is I I don't think he was trying to be deliberate about it. And I believe you. I I, I have to say, you couldn't do what they're doing by accident. So therefore, by definition, you have to be doing it on purpose. And those just joining the Guy Benson show, it's former United States Secretary of the Department of Interior, a very serious man, David Bernhardt. And I couldn't agree with you anymore. We were 11 months ago, we were energy independent and a net oil exporter. Look where we are now, David. It, it is absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, 
the we have two we have a president today that's very different from the one in the past. Um, president Trump cared about the results for the American people. He wanted outcomes. He he wanted results. And believe me, I was on the receiving end of uh, some of that discussion about we need to do better. And and by doing that, you know, going to be becoming net um, a net exporter of uh, petroleum was really a phenomenal thing and hadn't happened in the last 70 years. And so today, what's an accomplishment? Well, today, we did hit a, we did hit a milestone. It's the first time in 39 years that we've had inflation this high. And let me tell you something else. That, just watch. Next month is going to be worse. I agree with Next you. Next month is going to be worse. Mr. And they are on a pathway that is horrible for the American people. Mr. Secretary, comment on this, because I agree with you wholeheartedly. When they talk about, you know, zero carbon footprint by 2050, and Kerry was blabbing about we're not even going to use oil in like 10 years. I mean, give me a break. Impossible. Thank you for lying. They're just as their airplanes are idling, you know, they're, they're talking this, this, this garbage. But how about this one? Where where do we where do we win when we use the same or more because people are in in the process of wanting to get their lives back and recreate and so we'll use more uh, energy? Why is begging Saudi Arabia or buying from Russia? Why is that better than buying from Texas or Alaska? What sense this this has to be on purpose? It, well, it, first off. First off, the American people are going to see through this, but we've never had in our nation's history a policy that said, I want to restrict um, development here in the United States, and I want to encourage it somewhere else. That has never happened, and here's why. It doesn't matter at all from a global perspective. If anything, if the energy is produced here, it's produced cleaner with more stringent regulation and safer. Two, Americans benefit economically from that resource development. And here's three, and this is the most important. President Trump was the first president that was freed, freed literally, from having to worry about um, chaos in the Middle East devastating our energy economy. And that was incredibly freeing to him from a national security perspective. And so as a result of responsible development, you're encouraging economically um, and you're encouraging from a national security perspective. They are doing the opposite. And you don't have to take my word for it. Listen to this. Senator Manchin, the chairman of the Energy Committee from West Virginia, a Democrat, says exactly the same thing I say. He says they don't have an all-over-the-above policy, and it's unclear to him what the economic and national security components of their plan is, because they don't have one. This is a, what I call it, is a feel-good energy policy. They feel good that they're doing more by making energy more expensive to Americans, while at the same time encouraging um, fossil fuel production overseas, and not doing anything about China or India's energy um, consumption as it relates to climate change. It's it's a incense. It's an it's an incredible policy, but it does make you feel good because you get to say, "Well, we're doing something." You are listening to David Bernhardt, the former United States Secretary of the Department of the Interior, and we're talking obviously about these numbers that have come out: thirty-nine year high. Uh, inflation is is unbelievable. And, and finally, 
the, the people that have been calling it uh, transitory can no longer say that. Fed Chair Powell has said it's not transitory. So that means it's going to be around. It's going to be around uh, for this very consequential midterm election year. And no matter what the president wants to say, he's, he, he leaves for the, you know, his buddy's billion dollar life, you know, uh, in Nantucket uh, for the holidays and tells everybody, hey, I left you. I, I gave you a lot of money. Everybody's great. Th- th- there's no supply chain problem. Everything you want, you can get. Bye bye. I'll see you. I'll see you next time. And I'm going to Nantucket. But meanwhile, no, David, no one's wages can keep up with this level of inflation. Well, we know the results. I mean, we don't have to argue about it. Wages um, are actually declining because of this. The, the gross number actually went up, but then it had to go down because of inflation. Exactly. And um, this is just a tax on everyone. And, and here's the ones that hurts the most. The people that are having to choose between do I fill up my tank or do I buy groceries? Yes. Do I pay for day care or do I buy groceries? These are choices that are um, not... Uh, fair to the American people when it's self-inflicted. Yeah. Okay. When it's when it's deliberate. There there are problems uh, that occur uh, that we have to get through. But in this case, this administration pulled the trigger. They said, let's slow this stuff down. Let's let's not get ahead of inflation. They they had folks in their own party telling them this was going to be a problem, and they just said, oh no, temporary problem. It's going to be here with us a while. And here's the problem. We don't have the same policy flexibility that we had um, when our nation's debt was much lower. And this is going to be a challenge for us. Well, look, when when, when you're paying a few hundred billion uh, on the interest at these incredibly low rates, you know rates are going to be going up. The Fed is telegraphed. We're going to be getting a number of rate increases in 2022. This means that the debt service uh, is probably going to go over a trillion dollars a year before we know it. Uh, that is absolutely unsustainable and 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 a total uh, mess uh, and all preventable. I mean, when look at what people you're mentioning about people making choices. Not only when they make the choice whether okay, I'll get a quarter of a tank of gas because I can't I can't run out. I got I, I can't fill the tank. Of course, that's a hundred hours. Whoever would have believed that when it was half the price uh, just eleven months ago. But they actually have to make decisions, many Americans, this is tens of millions of Americans, many tens of millions of Americans, have to decide what food they can buy, because I know you've seen the price of of beef and some of these other things. People have changed their diet and don't eat some of these things anymore because it kills the budget. They just can't do it. Right. And um, this is just a tax on everyone in America. It hurts those um, with the least means the worst. Let's yeah. be honest about that. And it does nothing to move us forward. And that cannot be the policy. At the end of the day, the policy of the American government is very simple. How do we serve the American people? Not the other way around. Yeah. The people do not serve the government. Okay, the people do not serve the government. The government is there to drive forward positive results for America and and help the American people not come up with policies that harm them. Final minute with the former Secretary of the Interior, uh, a great one, uh, on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, uh, David Bernhardt. Now, Mr. Secretary, final question. 
Guy Benson and I just spoke about it last segment. The CBO has rescored, if you will, because the Democrats were trying to pull a fast one. They, they were just picking out the, the spending they wanted and it would sunset. But of course, we know once that stuff bakes in 18 months down the road or whenever it would be, they know they're going to be out of power. Uh, then they would blame Republicans for canceling vital programming. Look what they did to you. What an insidious, just filthy thing to try to pull off. But the CBO basically rescored it. Now it's over $3 trillion. I say build back better is toast. What do you say? Well, look, this all comes down to one senator right now, yeah. right? Imagine. And, he, and he's a good person. He cares about America, but I, I'm not going to predict where he's going to be. But at the end of the day, here's what I do know. Government programs do not die. So any program that's set up is going to go past its term. I can promise you that. They do not go away once they're created. And what this bill does is sunsets the most popular programs. Right. Most, which, you know, which is very deliberate, very cagey, <laughs> but they will not die if they get in place. And that is a big problem for America. We just had a very important conversation and you were masterclass. Mr. Secretary David Bernhardt, thank you for visiting on The Guy Benson Show. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Good job. You're welcome. We'll be back in just a little bit. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy, we'll be back on Monday. I'm partnering with a great team, Christine Wyatt and Dan, so you know that I'm in good hands. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show. You can follow Guy a lot of different ways to keep up on what Guy is doing. A lot of great work. You can follow him on Twitter at Guy P. Benson. You can follow him as well on Twitter at Guy Benson Show. And, of course, on Facebook, Guy Benson and Guy Benson Show. And on the web, GuyBensonShow.com. So many uh, points of contact for Guy Benson, including his town hall work where he is the political editor. Now, the Supreme Court decision has a lot of people confused because – what is this? Because they're hearing the big case. And we'll hear about that. They probably, maybe even today, uh, if not today, very soon, they will take a straw vote. They're, they're immaculate about never revealing the first vote. For example, John Roberts, the um, chief justice, in the initial vote, he voted to overturn Obamacare. O- Obamacare was going to be flipped. That would have been dramatic. And then he he flipped his vote and he went with the uh, the liberal four justices at the time. The composition of this court, I believe, would have ended Obamacare. You could see that happen all over again. So in brief, today's decision regarding the Texas law and people refer to it as the Texas abortion restriction law, the Supreme Court, by an eight to one decision, ruled that the legal challenge can continue. And it, it was brought forward by abortion providers against the Texas abortion restriction law. So they got a green light to continue. So they'll continue in lower courts. But keep in mind, sometime this summer, the Supreme Court is going to deliver a decision that could be extremely consequential 
And when you listen, you never know because they they meet and then they vote initially and then they meet some more. So you never know what the final vote is going to be until they announce it and they don't leak. So we'll know when we know. But when you listen to the questions from Kavanaugh to Amy Comey Barrett, you um, you know where Alito stands. You know where Thomas stands. Roberts has become a different kind of chief justice. And I, I think a lot's going to change because when it was sort of a 4-4 court and John and Chief Justice Roberts, uh, he was extremely consequential. His vote on the conservative side really doesn't matter at this point, and he knows that. So that actually, I think, has reined in maybe some of his, I think, moving to the left. They say that happens. You go onto the court, and over time, you move to the left. It doesn't seem like anyone ever moves to the right. They either stay if they're conservative, or they move to the left. I don't know what the reason for that is, but it seems throughout history you can back that statement up. So all this did was let the challenge continue in lower courts, but it did not stop enforcement uh, of the Texas law. So that's in effect. So it gave the the petitioners a chance in lower courts, but they didn't stop. They could have said, yes, your suit can continue and we will stay this. They didn't do that. So there you have it. And interesting to note, Justice Clarence Thomas was the lone dissenting vote. And if you know his record, you shouldn't be surprised about that. Unapologetically, consistently, very, very conservative. He doesn't like their challenge, doesn't think it's constitutional to begin with, so he didn't vote to even let them proceed with it any further. He wanted to end it. All right, when we come back, one of the greats, Fox News, Jack uh, Jeanette Neshwat on The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in just for today. Guy will be back on Monday. This is The Guy Benson Show. Very important portion of Guy's program begins right here, right now, with Dr. Jeanette Neshwat, board-certified medical doctor of family and emergency medicine, and, of course, a very recognizable and talented Fox News medical contributor. She is appearing right now on The Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. Dr. Neshwat, welcome back. Great to be with you. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure and a pretty big moment. And Pfizer's been having a lot of them. They seem to be the ones that get the um, the approvals first. Uh, the FDA has authorized the Pfizer COVID booster now for 16 and 17-year-olds. So that brings some more of our younger Americans into the fold. Because as you know, a lot of people, they're, they're, if they took Pfizer, their second shot may have been six, seven, or even eight months or more ago. So this is... Uh, This is important and good timing, isn't it? Yeah, it is, especially over the holidays. We, I am seeing just a slight increase in the, in the number of, of cases um, and in the number of patients testing positive. And the, the, they, those exams 
that I'm seeing those positives are primarily in people who have had their second dose like eight, nine months ago. And, you know, for teenagers, for 16 and 17-year-olds, um, just like uh, adults, their antibody levels can decrease over time. And, and most teenagers weigh, you know, the size of a, a small adult, so they can certainly tolerate a booster. But, again, we don't want it to be too early. Um, I, I still think, though, we should be focusing on those who haven't had any vaccines, those who haven't had their first shot, um, rather than focusing on, on the younger population who are at low risk. And even though Pfizer is the first to be approved, you know, probably Moderna is really not too far behind. Right. Dr. Neshwat, uh, I heard a figure on Fox News as recently, I believe, as today, 200 million Americans vaccinated. If we're at, say, roughly 330 some million, I know everybody would want more, but that's, that's a pretty good accomplishment, don't you think? I agree. Absolutely. That's that's phenomenal. That's great. But a couple things we need to also keep in, in mind. For m- many people like myself, I was vaccinated, you know, my first shot was last year, um, a, a year ago. And so for, for many of us, the, the level of protection uh, goes down over time. And then we also still have, you know, about 50 million people who are uh, eligible. So that makes a difference. And you take that into consideration with with the variants that are emerging and then the cold weather. We still could see, you know, outbreaks in certain parts of the country like we are right now, like in Michigan, in Minnesota, they're having outbreaks and we've have medical, military medical teams deployed out there to help them. Um, But fortunately, that's only in certain parts of the country. But it's phenomenal. Absolutely. You know, thanks to Operation Warp Speed, we got the three vaccines out. And, um, you know, the good thing about the vaccines is they won't stop you from catching COVID, but they can prevent you from developing severe complications, hospitalizations and and death for most people, not for everyone. There's still going to be some um, severe complications for some people. But um, for the most part, for the majority of us, it's, it's really a good thing. And it's a blessing that we have so many already vaccinated. Dr. Neshwad, it looks like the whole um, just craziness of how the discussion just went wild over Omicron, variant of concern, even though from the beginning, I believe that South Africa was very um, forthcoming, very transparent, gave the world notice that there's a variant of concern because it had whatever it was, 26 mutations. Now I think they say 50. But everybody went bananas. Our markets went crazy because of it. And it was like lost. The big headline should have been that uh, Miss Coetzee also said that it was mild, their experience. They, they left that out. But the truth eventually is caught up. And this variant of concern really, um, I don't know, it's not really, it's, it's not really showing itself much, is it? Yeah, we, we, did, we did overreact a bit. I think it's because of just the fear of the unknown and the fact that, the fact that um, uh, you know, this variant had um, about 50 mutations. And that's what was of great concern because it was a combination of all of those mutations. We didn't know what to expect. And so that, you know, created a little bit of panic. Um, but really the best thing to do is not panic, not be fearful, but just be prepared. Part of that preparation is the CDC making sure that they are doing um, what we call genomic surveillance and monitoring. And right now it's such a low level, 5 to 10 percent. And that's low. We should really be doubling or tripling that. What that means is, like, for example, if I swab a patient's nose for, and do a PCR test on them, it's called, and we send it to the lab, the CDC, the Department of Health, 
they only they're only testing you know a very very low number to see what type of strain is it is it delta is it omicron so how are we going to pick up new variants if we're not doing that basic surveillance so we really need to improve on that and um, we, we still have very good vaccines the vaccines are still very good right now against omicron but it, the, we do have data that shows getting a booster gives you much more protection against omicron than just having the two doses but fortunately right now um, for most people the, the, the two vaccines is still very very good and very very helpful you've been listening to fox news medical contributor dr jeanette nashwat thank you for visiting today have a good weekend and be well stay safe thank you you too have a great weekend you do the same in terms of some of the things that are happening right now in what is often referred to as the greatest city in the world so if you say the greatest city in the world uh, most takers will say oh you're talking about new york right new york city and there's a whole lot of crazy going on right now though look at look at what we see an outgoing mayor who is probably running for governor uh and now you see and i was very surprised because i thought really it was the whole grand gambit it was the whole plan but the um, Attorney General, Letitia James, is not running for governor. She is going to run for re-election. She says she has unfinished business, and she's going to run for re-election for um, Attorney General of New York. And that's, of course, got to be music to Governor uh, Hochul's uh, you know, ears to hear, uh, because that would have been, been tough stuff. That would have been a tough primary. Uh, I think de Blasio, Mayor de Blasio, will be running. Seems as though he will be. And this decision on the way out the door that will affect so many businesses, it's not workable. It, it, it sounds as though incoming mayor Eric Adams is the grown-up in the room, and I could just tell by the way he said that we'll look at that when, you know, when we get in. So if it goes into effect, it would go into effect for maybe a few days. The new mayor takes over January 1st and probably rescinds it because it's completely unworkable uh, for the businesses. Now fast forward to uh, Governor Hochul and her imposing an indoor mask mandate for businesses without a vaccine requirement. Uh, That's another case in point where people either say, oh, I understand, you know, the mask doesn't say, you know, protect that much, but it protects somewhat. So I'm okay with it. And then you have people that want government to get out of the way and just stop it already. I was encouraged, though, when I heard the Fox News report that 200,000-plus Americans are vaccinated. I've been, I want to give you a little just my philosophy on COVID-19. I've been compliant from the beginning. I've heard God talk about it a lot. So my, the way I have worked through all this is very similar to how Guy has approached it that COVID-19 is real, but at the same time, you can't wreck the country. You take my home state of New Jersey, one-third of businesses have closed forever. I don't think that needed to be. By comparison, look at Governor DeSantis in Florida. Now, he's been up, down, and all around because in the beginning it was a great example that you can stay open and have a low transmission rate. Then it got got crazy, and they had a very high transmission rate. And then guess what? When a lot of other parts of America 
Midwest, for example, had a very high transmission rate. Florida now has the lowest transmission rate possibly in the world, but I think in the country for sure. So when you look at the different philosophies of governance, typically your your deep, dark blue states on, on the coast, the left coast and the east coast that buttoned everybody down, locked everybody down for extended periods of time, crushed business and industry, and of course, incredulously uh, placed COVID-19 infected persons within the population of senior living facilities. And if you follow the timeline on that, typically, and I used to refer to him as the president of the Northeast Governors Association because when Andrew Cuomo made a decision, typically all the other governors in the Northeast did the same exact thing within 24 hours, including putting COVID-19 infected people in senior living facilities. And of course, we know what that created. Super spreader events of epic, devastating proportion. So what do we know? One of the things that I think is important, we're well past a year and a half going on two years of this. What did we learn? That lockdowns are probably the dumbest thing you can do because the transmission rate is much more prevalent indoors than it is outdoors. So why would you bring everybody in instead of letting people come out? I think didn't I mean I'm a layperson, not a doctor, but I think I think that stands to reason and and can sustain scrutiny on the point. So you have to be responsible. I've always believed and I say it all the time. COVID-19 is real. You have to respect it. And it does not discriminate. I talked to someone before, uh, several people before airtime today of the Guy Benson show. And I know people that have been in phenomenal shape, not overweight, no comorbidities, and COVID-19 can wreck you. Or it can do a, a glancing blow. Now, that's for a lot of reasons. A term called viral load. How much did you get hit with? If you got hit with a heavy viral load, you can have a very, very harsh case. If you have less, you can be an accidental tourist. You could be totally asymptomatic. And only if you took a test, for whatever reason, if you were required to take a test, would you even know that you had it? And there's some people that have just mild symptoms, bad cold, if you will, maybe light fluish, or even feeling like you had the flu, heavy in the chest, maybe a cough, fever for a bit. And then you recover. And then there are some people, and I, I sadly know quite a few, that COVID-19 has taken for various reasons. Some that were unvaccinated, some that were young, some that were older. And there's, there's, I don't think we really know that we know there's certain blood types and we know there are certain comorbidities. But it's just one of those things. Some people get next to nothing to a glancing blow. To, to, to even having it but never even know that they had it. I guarantee you there's a lot of people out there that have had it and don't even know they had it. Right down to uh, even to this point when we have more therapies and, and more of a chance. Because remember, 1918, they had nothing. No PPE, no ventilators, no therapies, no vaccines. And don't forget, we had the Roaring Twenties. One of my long-term predictions from the beginning 
of COVID-19 is that I believe we're going to have the roaring 20s. Now, we need a lot of things to take uh, effect. We need change on November 8th of 2022. That's a big part of it because we have to change the very, very uh, regressive policies that that just it's crushing. It's crushing people. They keep telling you, oh, you don't see how great it is? No, we don't see how you, you think it's so great. But regular people don't agree with you. You agree with yourself on that. So that has to be fixed. And then if this goes as most types of coronaviruses, and remember, no coronavirus has ever been cured in the history of the world. But look at the job. I mean, these vaccines have done. And it appears that if you have taken the Pfizer and you have taken the booster, Pfizer came out and said that you are protected, even from the variant of concern, the Omicron variant. That was great news. And our markets really like that. Because keep in mind, you've got your airlines, you've got the cruise industry that's desperately, every time they think they might be back, they get knocked down again. A cruise ship had like 10 COVID-19 cases a week or so ago. Every time they try, they get knocked down. But I do believe that we have to remain vigilant. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of being vaccinated. Always have been. I, be, I believe in the science. I believe they work. And that you need to stay on top of them. And you also don't want what's being called like, like, like a twindemic. And that would be to get COVID-19 and the flu. And people have had that at the same time. You don't want that. You don't want that at all. We're going to be back in just a little bit. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley, and it's an honor to fill in for Guy, who will be back on Monday. This is The Guy Benson Show. I will call this the law of unintended consequences, um, and I don't mean law strictly. I don't mean it literally. I mean it figuratively. But this was predictable by any intellectually honest broker, including all the provocateurs and perpetrators of what has happened to make 12 of the most major cities in America hit all-time high homicide records. Now, when we go, and I don't have time to mention all 12, and I don't, I, but I, I want to make a, a, a global point, uh, and I mean that from the national perspective, not, not international. When you defund the police, when you cut the number of police officers that you have, when you go after your police, when you change their rules of engagement, we have cities around the country where if perps have committed any type of crime, violent crime, theft, whatever, and they're going a certain speed, the officers are told to stop the pursuit. They can't go, say, past 15 miles past the speed limit. Look, I understand that even a police officer, very, very trained, that's trained to drive well, that can drive fast. You could make a mistake and you could have something happen. But that is just woke, broke, joke policy setting. And the criminals know it. When they know that there's a limit of $1,000 and you see 20 cars, you've seen it on the Fox News channel. 
20 or 30 cars, and away they go, smash and grab. They got their Hillary Clinton pickaxes. They go in, bang, 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 usually takes with those heavy uh, jewelry store counter uh, glass, maybe five hits, and you're in. And look what they do. How about Philadelphia DA Krasner with his delusional comment? He had to come. He had to come back and apologize for it. Basically, there's no violent crime problem in the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Well, Philadelphia Mayor Jim Kenney, a fellow Democrat, confirms his city has surpassed the annual homicide record of 500, and they're beyond that, 521 as of about three days ago, four days ago, December 6th. And that goes all the way back to 1990. Every woke city that has defunded the police and done these things, they're all restoring the money and they're rehiring police officers. It was always the wrong strategy. They knew it. It was for a political moment. And it was dangerous. We'll be back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Gordon Chang is next. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley, filling in for Guy just for today. Guy will be back on Monday. Welcome to the 5 o'clock happy hour of The Guy Benson Show. What an important guest we have standing by on The Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. Let me just take a moment to introduce this distinguished, uh, great, I mean, expert in all things China. And there's no doubt in my mind that Gordon Chang is one of the most important, credible voices on China that we have in America. The author of his book, The Coming Collapse of China, and you can follow Gordon Chang on Twitter, his Twitter handle, Gordon, middle initial, G, Chang. Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, welcome to The Guy Benson Show. Thank you so much, Harry. What a... um, what what an important topic we have to discuss because it was my opinion from the beginning, and I'm not – full disclosure, I'm not a fan of the policies of President Biden, but I also don't pick everything apart. If he does something that's right, I'll say it. For example, I thought his conduct at Senator Dole's uh, funeral service at the National Cathedral was, was presidential, and I, and I can only say I was proud of my president with how he handled himself and – bringing people together, and and I just thought it was a beautiful, powerful moment. But this isn't that. This decision, and I said it from the beginning, this decision, which is sort of Jimmy Carter light, to do a diplomatic boycott is such a joke because I could have predicted that the Chinese would have said, well, we don't care about your diplomatic boycott. Your officials were never invited anyhow, and nobody's going to miss you clowns. I mean, this was weak, wasn't it, Gordon? 
Well, yes. And what we need to do, I mean, it's something that was good in a sense in the right direction, but not nearly sufficient. And what would be sufficient is if the United States, for instance, goes to the International Olympic Committee and gets it to move the games to a country not tainted by atrocities, genocide and other crimes against humanity. That is a minimum of what the United States needs to do. So while a diplomatic boycott is one thing, it is certainly just a gesture. We need to do something substantive. We need to impose costs on China because it is engaged in conduct which was comparable to that of the Third Reich prior to the mass exterminations of 1930, of 1941. And you, don't, and you don't say that lightly. That was uh, took my breath away. That was breathtaking. You're listening to Gordon Chang on The Guy Benson Show. Gordon, in terms of your wide spectrum of observation, which is, which is significant, what do you think President Xi thinks of President Biden. Does he does he smell weakness? What what do you what do you think is going on right now? Well, I think that certainly the Chinese leadership, including Xi Jinping, the ruler, does smell weakness, and we know this because of what they tell us um, in the in the wake of the fall of Afghanistan. Um, Chinese propaganda was unrelenting and it was malicious, and it said a s- number two themes that they had um, in August. One of them was that um, because the United States couldn't deal with the Taliban, it had no hope of countering a magnificent China. Second theme was that the United States uh, would not defend Taiwan. And also, um, in, con- in conjunction with that, uh, Beijing said, look, the United States can't win wars anymore. So clearly the Chinese leadership believes that the U.S. is incapable, it's in disarray. And this was not just a one-off, Harry, because we know this in the middle of March, China sent its top two diplomats to Anchorage to meet Secretary of State Antony Blinken Mm -hmm. and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. And China's top diplomat, Yang Jiaxue, came right out and said in his opening remarks, which were public, and that was that the United States was not in a position to counter China that we couldn't talk to China from a position of strength. Those words were chilling because what it said was, we cannot deter China anymore. Gordon, Tim Cook and FoxBusiness.com has a definitive piece on this. For guys, listeners, if you want to take a little peek at that, it would be a good homework assignment to see the Tim Cook deal that was made. I guess you'll call it, I would call it a secret deal, Uh, pretty big bucks, $275 billion deal back a few years ago. And... What I sense, and it's very disconcerting, and I've I've watched you uh, on the Fox News Channel quite a bit, and listened to you on Fox News Radio uh, with Guy. I I I just don't like the way that certain people feel free to trash America and to do all these different things, but they won't say boo. And I'll go from LeBron James to some of these tech people. I mean, it's like they're afraid, and I guess they are. They're afraid to criticize China, aren't they? Well, they certainly are afraid to criticize China, but also it's even worse because they're greedy, they're craven, and they're willing to sell out their country um, for a buck. And that's what Tim Cook is doing, from all that I can tell, and that's certainly what LeBron James has been doing. Remember, LeBron James lectures us about racism, but he endorses a company, Nike, which through a subcontractor was employing Uyghur slaves. This is not just people who were slaves, Harry. These 
these are people who are the racial minority. So the hypocrisy there is horrendous. And LeBron James says, well, look, I, I know all about this stuff. Well, if he knows all about this stuff because he tells us he's well-educated, that's almost a direct quote, then it means that he purposefully is intending to profit from racial minorities yeah. who are being used for slave labor. And yet has so many harsh domestic comments to make. It really is um, It's disgraceful. It really is. It's disgraceful. And in the case of Tim Cook, it's injurious to American national security because what he's doing is spending $275 billion in a secret deal, a secret deal um, to help China develop technology that will be used against the United States. And much of that technology will be used for China's military. Tim Cook knows this. And so really what this is, you know, his deal is legal. Um, but uh, the President Biden should make it illegal. And right. Biden has the tools to do this because he can employ, impose um, the, the um, 1977 Act, the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, to prevent deals like Tim Cook's. Is, in your estimation, Gordon, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you, you, you can handle it. You're Gordon Chang. Is President Biden compromised when it comes to China, when it comes to Russia, when it comes to these nations where Biden Inc. has been extremely active? I just sense things like Russia getting a pipeline, uh, the Moscow mayor's, you know, former Moscow mayor's wife, Hunter, gets three million. Uh, Russia gets a pipeline. We get the Keystone XL pipeline closed. Alaska gets it in the neck. Texas gets it in the neck. We're begging Saudi Arabia. Eleven months ago, we were uh, energy independent, net oil exporter. I just don't believe in coincidences. Coincidences. I think there's something to what I just said. But what do you say to that? Yeah. Well, there's things. I'm not in Biden's mind, but there are things that happen um, that do not occur normally uh, in the absence of corruption. So, for instance, his son Hunter Biden getting a very sweet deal in the Bohai Harvest RST Equity Fund partnership. Now, China puts out billions of dollars for foreigners to manage. But they do that with people who have track records as fund managers who've done well. Hunter Biden just had to be only one qualification, and that was the son of the vice president. We saw Hunter Biden's deals in the Congo, um, arranging a sale of a minority stake in a cobalt mine to to a Chinese entity. And this was a time when um, Hunter Biden had to know his father Um, was very much in favor of these clean energy deals, and cobalt is absolutely necessary for a lot of forms of clean energy for batteries. So this is front-running his father's policies. Now, his father was no longer vice president at the time, but this was a point where he knew that his dad was going to run again. And so, therefore, these are the types of deals which, um, you know, you. as I said, I don't know what the dad was thinking But we have to be extremely concerned because these deals were, first of all, injurious to the United States, but also reprehensible. You're listening to Gordon Chang, the author of The Coming Collapse of China. You can follow Gordon Chang on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. And in terms of 
China and their ultimate goals. Obviously, they want to be the lone world superpower. They they want to overtake America. I think in some indices they have, in some financial areas, already done it. But they want to be recognized. I, I guess they would even love it if if you know China became the 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 alternate currency for the, for the world and not the dollar. They they want to supplant. They want to subservient America, don't they? Yes. You know, every country competes. So if they want to outcompete us, that's 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 fair. But what's not fair is the way they're doing it. So, for instance, Harry, they're killing Americans. Yeah. They deliberately released coronavirus from their country. We don't know the origin of this disease, but once it crippled China, we know that Chinese leaders took decisions to deliberately spread this beyond their borders. That's 794,000 Americans who have been killed by a disease that should have been confined to the central parts of China. We know that China supports its fentanyl gangs. That is 64,000 Americans who overdosed on this in the 12 months ending April 30 of this year. That's intentional. So all of those fentanyl deaths, all of those coronavirus deaths, we should consider each of them a murder. And we have a president who just spent three and a half hours on a virtual meeting with uh, Xi Jinping and didn't raise the question about COVID-19. He also spent two hours on the phone in February with Xi Jinping, didn't raise it. And I'm sure that Biden didn't raise it in his 90-minute phone call in September. This is a dereliction of duty. Wow. And yet you hear the things that they are willing to do and say and trash. It really is so disturbing. Gordon Chang, and we've got about three minutes, let's make it count, a lot to cover. Could we, this might sound, I don't know if it sounds radical, we, we obviously we have these significant supply chain issues. Could we get to the point where does everything have to, to come from China? I mean, Vietnam is, is very good right now and getting better. Uh, do do iPhones, for example, have to be American parts, but sent to China to be put together? Uh, could we get back into the business of building things here at home, or is it just too expensive and the business model doesn't work? We can absolutely do that, Harry. There are certain things that probably wouldn't come back to the U.S., but they could come back to our hemisphere. So, for instance, we could have base manufacturing in Central America, which means we wouldn't have these caravans pressuring our border. So, yes, this is absolutely possible. All it takes is political will of one individual whose address is 1600 North Pennsylvania Avenue, Northwest Washington, D.C. You brought up something that I say out loud all the time. Every death, because you're right, I think it came out of that Wuhan Institute of Virology, and I always believed it. I don't think it jumped out of some wet market, but it could have, although everybody that studied this says that it, it's too complex and that it looks engineered. So I'm going with my gut from the beginning, which is that it came out of that lab. But I'm going to do the Gordon Chang um, doctrine. So what where it came from? We know there's no dispute that it came from China. That we can say with certainty. Nobody denies that. That just China saying, we didn't mean it, you know, and it, 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 it got out by accident. So they don't want to admit that they were whipping stuff up in this lab. And I think that's how that happened. I think most people now have come to that conclusion. But even if we don't go there, it did come from there. They knew it. I guess they knew that they would be isolated if they did what, say, South Africa did, who responsibly reported to the world about Omicron, quote unquote, the variant of concern. If China had done that, countless lives would have been saved. Can we go economically because of those deaths 
I mean, that we owe them a lot of money. They, they, as you know, they own a lot of real estate here in America. Can we take our money back? Well, we certainly can, and we've got to do that. Not so much a question of compensation, but because we've got to establish deterrence, because China's yes. working on new diseases that can kill America. They call 30 them seconds. specific ethnic genetic attacks, civilization killers. Gordon Chang, you are fascinating and informative. Thank you for the time today. Thank you so much, Harry. I really appreciate it. Your class act. Thank you, sir. Gordon Chang uh, on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. What a, um, wow, I, I'm telling you, I could talk to Gordon Chang all day and not run out of questions and, and not get tired of the content because he's that good. We'll be back. Don't go away. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in. Guy, we'll be back on Monday. I'm with Christine Wyatt and Dan, so you know that I'm in great hands. This is a wonderful team, and I thank them for any time that we've been here, how just how pleasant it is to uh, to work with these professionals. And uh, thanks for everything. I have to comment. I wrote about it yesterday on our Town Square Media WPG digital platform. And I have to comment on this. The Fox News All-American Christmas Tree. And, of course, just like these other things where the red van killed people, not, not the criminal. And all these crazy ways the gun killed somebody, not the person. The, 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 the crazy New York Times headline, which they were embarrassed into changing, where they, the, you would believe that the tree spontaneously combusted and caught fire by itself, not that, that, a, that an arsonist did what he did and, of course, got right out of prison because of this um, incredible mayor, this outgoing mayor, and these terrible, terrible DAs and these decisions that they make to coddle criminals. But let's hear some really cool audio of the Fox News All-American Christmas Tree. Fox News Channel didn't go boo-hoo. They didn't cry about it. They went right to work, and you're going to burn it down, and we're going to bring it back. And I loved it. I loved the heart, and I loved the just the in-your-face, you can burn it down, but you're not going to kill our spirit. You're not going to kill Christmas. And I just think it is an absolute example of how we should conduct ourselves in business and as Americans. If you do the honors, Dan, cut 25. Are you guys ready to light it up or what? Yeah! You're talking about the tree. We're talking about the tree, Greg. <laughs> oh, you so All right. bad. You are so bad. So the Legal. We're going to push a button. The borough commander is here, so we're going to start it with a countdown. All right, here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Light! Yay! It's beautiful. Thank you, Judge Janine. And, and, of course, you recognize Jesse and everybody. So there you have it. Somebody thought they could just take it down, you know, steal Christmas, steal joy, and it's right back. And it was, it was beautiful. One of my favorite things that happened in this, and you have to expect it, the, the crazy left 
they have to even a Christmas tree. I'm going to call him Colbert, but he calls himself Colbert. Stephen Colbert. Flaming Christmas tree just got its own show on Fox News, exclamation point. Greg Gutfeld. And it's already beating you in the ratings. Fantastic. Witty, pithy, funny as heck, and a takedown. Gutfeld took Colbert down. And I loved it. And by the way, that was a great show last night, The Five. Everybody outside, the beauty of Christmas, the relighting of the tree, the victorious ending to somebody's, you know, criminal act. Just terrific. So well done. Much more straight ahead. Don't go away. It's a happy hour on The Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in for today. Guy will be back on Monday. I'm with Christine Wyatt and Dan. And yes, this is The Guy Benson Show, and it is the happy hour, the 5 o'clock happy hour of The Guy Benson Show. This topic, I believe, is extremely consequential. And let me let me just throw a disclaimer out onto the floor. Legal immigration in America is beautiful. You think about immigration over the years, people learning the English language even before they get here, learning right when they get here if they learn at that point, but assimilating beautifully uh, and becoming Americans, not trying to change America into something else. And Understanding that if you didn't work, you didn't eat. I mean, it was rugged individualism and 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 beautiful. And people worked hard, and they they knew the country that they aspired to get to. And then through whether it's Ellis Island, through legal means, it's a beautiful thing. What isn't appropriate, and the Constitution has mentions about the right to vote. You'll see sections that say the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state. And they have mentions about that in terms of according to sex uh, or that you have to be a citizen to vote. I can't imagine that this could ever go down. And and if it were challenged, and it has to be challenged, that the Supreme Court would, would have to knock it out. I mean, that's like the first 101 basic rule to vote. You have to be a citizen. You don't get to vote. Can you go go show up at some country and you think you're going to vote in any election in that country? It doesn't happen. And I know they want to be us and we don't want to be them, but it just, you can't have that. And so what did New York do? New York City. Again, Mayor de Blasio on the way out the door. City Council and the mayor has already said he's going to sign it. You'll hear a number 800,000. It's more like a million. Now, these are non-citizens, and they've been given the right to vote in New York as soon as Mayor de Blasio signs this in municipal elections as of the year 2023. Now, there's a problem with that, and you know what happens. They do incremental games. First of all, they'll say in California many years ago— I said this well before they did it. I saw it coming. It was easy to see. They said that, well, people are here and they live here. And by the way, I don't agree counting illegals in the census either, but that has been upheld. That a person here, because of the way the Constitution is worded, it doesn't say citizens. It counts every person here in America. So I got to go with that. I don't like it. I don't think it's right. 
because why should the census every 10 years and the way that districts are are uh, put together, why should people who shouldn't be here in the first place, why should they have an impact? That's the difference sometimes in one area or one state having one more member of Congress uh, than they would otherwise. So I'm totally against that. But that's been upheld. This should not be upheld. California started it like usual. Fashion trends start there and they come east. Uh, these kinds of things start there and, and, and they they continue to happen in other areas. And they have. California started with, oh, no, no, just in school board elections because, you know, you have kids in school and you should have a say, you should have a right. But then, of course, it goes from school board to the local races to the county races and someday to the state races and, and of course, in the federal races. And we just can't have it because it, it's not constitutionally permitted just because people vote and say you can vote now because we say so doesn't mean that that can sustain. So somebody should jump on this, but they haven't so far. You already have more than a dozen cities across the country that already allow non-citizens to cast ballots in local elections. And I'm promising you that that is because that is the beginning. They take incremental steps, the Democrats. They'll say, oh, don't don't complain about this. This is just local races. You ever see laws that get put into effect? Oh, it's a secondary law. They'd have to stop you for something else before they could even bring up this other thing. But then in one year, it goes from a secondary law to a primary law. And it happens with great regularity all over this beautiful country. So you have 11 cities in Maryland, two in Vermont, and now New York City, the biggest of them all, the grand prize of them all. The largest city by far to give voting rights to non-citizens. We're talking 800,000 to a million. Now, how do you think that will work with New York races? That is such a disproportionate. And, of course, I have to say, can't prove it, but we'll see. The test of time will prove this. Out of 800,000 to a million that this will be starting in 2023, they're almost all Democrats. That's that's the way this whole thing is set up. You you think if this was eight hundred thousand or a million Republicans, that this would be in effect right now? That New York City Council and they have spent years trying to do this. They think they've made history. Look, one of the councilmen said something along the lines of, and it was Councilman Moya, and he said, "This is for my beautiful mother, who will be able to vote for her son." And, and look, I think that's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful comment. But if she's not a citizen, she shouldn't be able to vote for her son. She can be proud of her son, and it's amazing, and all of that, but she can't have this. This is not good for our country. It actually, I believe, will be determinative in areas that it's put into effect. And you could see easily this going from local races, and they, they've gone further than a lot. Some have only done school board elections, but not the city elections. Some have done all local elections. And by the way, what do you do in an election year where there's other races on the ballot for county-level positions, your legislature, state legislatures, and other races, governor and others? What, what are they going to do, a special ballot? Or is this going to be 
an honor system that they have to self-report like some of the stuff that we see now or that they do an undervote. You go in the machine, but you can only vote for the local races. You can't vote. I don't I don't even know how you do that. It seems to me to be very unwielding. Would you need separate voting machines with a whole different ballot programmed into that area? And if you're a non-citizen with the right to vote, you go to the they're not they don't even say any of that. They just tell you, yay, look at us. We did it. And 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 2023, this is all going to happen. Not good. I will tell you, Alabama, Colorado, Florida, they adopted rules that prevent any attempts to pass laws like this New York City thing. Can't do it. It's it's illegal. Arizona, North Dakota already have their own prohibitions on the book. Arizona knows as a border state, they know what what would happen. Make no mistake about it. What is local today, and sometimes when you hear New York City, you don't think local, you think big. And you should, because it is, you know, quite incredible. New York at its best is remarkable. But this has national repercussions. Make no mistake about that. If you think that this is all that it will be, like, shut up, go away. We only want people to be able to vote. They live here. They're paying taxes. They have kids in school. They should be able to vote for who's on their school board. Why should they pay and not have their ability to be part of how the decisions are made in terms of their own elected representation? Well, the reason is is this persistent, stubborn document, the Constitution, which makes it very clear that to vote, you need to be a citizen of the United States. Green card doesn't count. You may be here legally, but if you're not a citizen, you don't get to vote because voting is set aside in this great country for citizens of the United States. Seems very simple. If we follow our founders, they did things that have been able to endure. You, You have to appreciate we're not a democracy. We're a representative republic. But most democracies in the history of the world have no more than a 200 year shelf life because people vote themselves a treasury and it collapses the way of Rome. We are on borrowed time. And at the rate we're going, woke, broke, joke, and all of this spending and all this craziness where we're voting the Treasury, we don't get a handle on it. This country will be very, very different going forward. That's what we're fighting for. And that's why November 8th, 2022, is the most consequential election of your lifetime. We'll be back. This is going to be so much fun. It's going to be Wyatt, Dan, filling guy Harry, and we're going to talk Christmas lights. It's going to be fun. Stay with us. This is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Okay, I'm going to blame, I mean credit, Wyatt, with this amazing topic that we're going to close out the happy hour with today. I love it, and I loved it the moment that Guy mentioned it today during our pre-show meeting This is The Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in uh, for Guy. Guy will be back on Monday. You can follow Guy all his different ways. GuyBensonShow.com, Guy P. Benson on Twitter, Guy Benson Show on Twitter, and also on Facebook, both both names. 
Guy Benson and also the show, Guy Benson Show on Facebook. So you can really uh, stay close to Guy Benson, all things Guy Benson. Uh, great to be here. And it is my esteem honor to welcome to the Guy Benson Show two absolute stars of the program, Wyatt and Dan. Wyatt and Dan, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for having us. An honor. Wyatt, tell me you're there. I'm here. I'm down here in D.C. Okay, buddy. All right. Well, here we go. It's your topic, Wyatt. The topic, I'll put the name of the topic out, and then you take it first, and we'll just kick it around the horn. I love the topic. The topic is your Christmas tree lighting, and do you start at the top and work your way down, or do you start at the bottom and work your way up? I think this is... People listening right now to The Guy Benson Show are saying, hey, now, wait a minute. This is interesting. I thought everybody may have done it this way. Wyatt, this was a great idea. So confess, what do you do? So, Harry, we we did a poll yesterday on on Twitter um, because we we discussed this yesterday in yesterday's home stretch about how what's the proper way to put Christmas lights on a tree. And I said the bottom. I've always done it on the bottom up. But apparently there is 10 minutes left in this poll. So if you're listening, go to the Guy Benson Show Twitter account and vote in this poll because right now it says from the top, 55% say from the top and 45 say from the bottom. Yeah, why? Of course it's the top. All right. So before Dan gets a chance to get a word in edgewise, let me tell you my logic here. And in all fairness, I'm disqualified, I think, because we have – a beautiful, one of the ones you see on the the wonderful Christmas movies. We have the pre-lighted tree. They typically come in three sections, and there's no way really to do it other than bottom, middle, top. So I think I'm disqualified in terms of a full tree standing there, and do you start at the top or do you start at the bottom? But I would start at the top, and I'm going to ask my wife Margie what she thinks of this because she's a real talent in these areas. In fact, I sent Wyatt and Dan a copy of our tree. Would you – and Margie did the whole thing. Would you agree it's a beautiful tree? It's absolutely beautiful. I love it. Thank you, Dan. Coming, and you're a man, you're a Renaissance man. Coming from you with your elegance, that is a high compliment. (laughs) So, Wyatt, I'm going to say you're wrong. I'm going with the Guy Benson majority that says, of course, the top. But I'm going to back it. I'm going to back it up. See, to me, like the world is made for right-handers and not left-handers. Lefties right, and then they smudge. They get the blue or black ink all over their the you know the edge of their left hand because they they move across their own writing. And if the ink is wet, you, you you know you smudge. So much like with the tree lighting, you would put the tree uh, lights at the top and work your way down because you always have new tree that hasn't been touched. If you go from the bottom up. You're bumping into the lights you just put on. you got to reach in. They're in the way. I say top down wins. Dan, what do you say? So I never really thought about this before. It could be brought up this morning. And i got to be honest, I would go top down because I put the star on first. And then so that kind of attaches to the other lights. And then I also have done middle because I kind of like a two-tone tree sometimes. That's cool. So I'll do different color lights. And so if you start in the middle and then go up, and then middle, go down with this different set of lights. I've always done it that way. Also, well, I, though, yeah. the um, indoor tree and outdoor tr- like bushes and tree are different, I think. So but I, I still say the same formula holds true. I think it's, it's better to go top to the bottom 
for the same reason, because that then especially you're pushed up into the bushes, you're pushed into the lights. Top down is for me the clean installation, and then that way you have to plug in all these things. It's down at the bottom, right where you want it. I get you can make it work the top way too, but I think it works better because you're unspooling those those um, lights, and then the end is where either the male or female is. I think it begs to start at the top, just the engineering of it. So I sent Wyatt and Dan our tree, and it is beautiful, and thank you, Margie. Wyatt sent me his tree, and Dan is going to be getting his tree, and he promised to send me a picture of it, and then I'm going to have all three of our trees to enjoy this Christmas season. Uh, Wyatt, two out of three on the Guy Benson Show today say top down. Uh, by the way, it's it's always interesting to, to be different. Uh, you're, you're in the minority on this question, it seems, unless there is a huge Wyatt rally uh, on your on your uh, digital platform on your poll, I think top down is going to win, and I think we've made the case during the happy hour of the Guy Benson show that top to the bottom, with a little caveat, the doctrine of Dan with the middle thing. If you have a different color in there, uh, I think top top down wins. Why are we are we persuading you? Any movement? No, I'm I'm hard line on this. Okay. I, I mean, and Guy agrees with me. We did this yesterday, and Guy said the same thing. He's like, I'll, I'll never be invited go back. I'm going against the boss. Oh, my gosh. I wish I knew that in the pre-show meeting. <laughs> um, so this is one of those things, though. I mean, for example, gentlemen that button their shirt. Some button their shirt, bottom button, all the way up. Some take the top button all the way down. These are the, the quandaries of life. <laughs> These are major decisions that we have to make. I, I believe if all of America was polled, it would probably come out 52-48, 55-45 at the max, that top-down will probably win. I don't have an answer as to why, Wyatt and Dan, but I just suspect that it's something that none of us have ever given any thought to. I never did. Now, when I talk to my wife in a little bit, she does a lot of amazing things. She has thought of this before. So I'm going to fess up. I'm going to send each of you a message when I get home because Margie knows. And if she does bottom up, I'm going to confess that Wyatt and Guy are right. Closing comment, guys. We're in the final minute. Go ahead, Wyatt. It's your topic. <laughs> I'm I'm saying just everyone should should start from the bottom up. I'll give it a shot. So I'm getting my tree tomorrow, and I'll give it a shot. I'll I'll try bottom up and see what happens. All right, and report back, Dan. I you will. Promise to I will. Report I'll back. text you guys, gentlemen. This is a delight. It's a privilege to uh, to fill in and and to work with you. And I, I I look forward to it anytime we have the opportunity. Guy will be back on Monday. Uh, on behalf of everyone here, Christine and Wyatt and Dan and, of course, Guy Benson, the host of The Guy Benson Show, uh, it's, it's an honor to be here. Uh, we will see you uh, a couple more times before the end of the month. And uh, I've enjoyed being with you guys today. Thanks for a great show and thanks for being such great partners to work with. This is The Guy Benson Show. Listen to be part of the conversation with me, Brian Kilmeade. I'll talk about the biggest stories of the day and get your take along with some of the biggest newsmakers around. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the podcast at briankilmeadeshow.com. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. 
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.